It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, Panthers Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire back with you guys here after a heartbreaking loss by the Panthers in Week 12 as they fall to the Saints in New Orleans, 34-31 to fall to 5-6 and six on the season. We will touch on this game a little more um, in, in a little bit. We've also got... Uh, really great guests coming up later in the show. We're going to talk a little bit of draft with Jared Feinberg. Excited to have him on and get some thoughts. Really good conversation. Uh, before we get into all that, of course, I want to remind you guys to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your listening pleasure to. Always up on there and always bringing you guys content, or at least trying to as, as best I can. Uh, remember to follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Chat with me there if you so choose. Let's talk Panthers football. Let's talk any kind of football, really, or any kind of sports, but uh, mostly Panthers football, obviously, for all you great listeners. So uh, really, as always, excited to chat with you guys. And get into the uh, get into the nuts and bolts here, but unfortunately, you know, again, this is one of those tough spots where uh, where we talk about another loss, and the season is really starting to fade away here. As we'll jump into it now, as the Panthers are now five and six on the season, as they lose to the New Orleans Saints, 34-31 to basically put the division out of reach. In fact, if you have seen some of the posts, or even I tweeted it a little bit on Sunday, the Saints can actually clinch the division on Thursday if they beat the Falcons. And if if you look at it, that's because a Saints win would get them to 10 wins. Worse than they would do is 10-6. and Panthers win out, they would get to 10-6 and as well. And in that scenario, that would mean they beat the Saints in Week 17. Problem is, Panthers already have three division losses now. Saints already have four division wins, meaning the Saints are guaranteed to have a better division record than the Panthers. And that, of course, would be the tiebreaker with the two teams splitting in this uh, in this hypothetical situation. So uh, the division is basically out the door and we, we kind of thought that a couple weeks ago now it's all but official and it will become official on Thursday night if the Saints beat the Falcons and really the playoffs in general are starting to become out of the question as well and we talked about how a lot of these losses a lot of these games that the Panthers let get away have are starting to bite them in terms of trying to chase a playoff position and now that playoff spot is getting away because now you're five and six. Vikings are eight and three as the second wild card. You're three games back in the Vikings. Vikings have a good conference record. Panthers do not. I believe this is already five losses now in conference for the Panthers. Usually tough to overcome that when it comes to trying to win these tiebreakers for these wild cards. So at this point, season's starting to become lost. Um, but they didn't go down without a fight. That, that's for sure. They they played their heart. You could tell they played their hearts out on this one. Obviously, there were times where the game looked like it was going to get away from them. Uh, they're down fourteen nothing early, with the Saints jumping out pretty early uh, with with the first score, and then about ten minutes later, getting up fourteen nothing, and then fourth quarter holding another two possession lead when they went up. 31-18 after a Michael Thomas touchdown, but the Panthers fought hard. They rallied in uh, in both of those or from both of those deficits. I mean, they they trailed just 17-15 at the half, and then they were down 31-18, and they pulled within or they pulled to tie it rather at 31-31. 
but obviously, you know, the, the big, kind of the big story here was those missed kicks by Joey Sly, unfortunately, with the, uh, with the two missed extra points and the missed field goal. And obviously those wound up being killers because that's five points you leave on the board. Uh, it probably, it certainly changes the game a bit because the Saints might not be in a position where they only need to settle for a field goal to win the game. They'd be forced to, you're probably looking at a spot where they're forced to find the end zone. Instead, they drive the field pretty quickly. They get Will Lutz out there and in the blink of an eye, the Saints are nine and two and the Panthers are five and six. But the Kyle Allen at least uh, took care of the ball. You know, this was his first, first game in a few weeks where he did not throw an interception. He had 256 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. In fact, in general, overall, the Panthers only had one turnover, which was key. And that's what you have to do to beat the Saints. But unfortunately, uh, missed opportunities in the red zone really bit them. And ultimately, that... And, I mean, obviously the missed kicks wound up being the biggest reasons why this team is now 5-6 and six after this loss. Uh, we'll kind of dig a little more into that. Uh, but before that, I want to tell you, of course, about our friends over at BlueChew.com. Our friends there with uh, BlueChew.com, of course, that brings you the uh, same... Or the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And you can take them anytime, day or night, and on a full stomach. And they're chewable, which means they work up to twice as fast, so you can be ready to go. And Blue Cheer is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made right here in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, which means they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, there is no more awkwardness. So right now, go to BlueChew.com, special off offer for our listeners. Visit uh, BlueChew.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you get your first shipment for free. All you got to do is just pay the $5 in shipping. So again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, also want to give a shout out to our friends over at DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. So let's kind of dig into the stats a little bit now. And kind of dig into this this game a little bit. So like I said before uh, before the short break there, Kyle Allen did a really nice job of taking care of the football. And the Panthers in general got, did a good job of just getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers. Uh, DJ, you know, you start with DJ Moore. Nine targets, you know, just another week where he's kind of force-fed the ball. He hauls in six of those targets for 126 yards. And two touchdowns. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, just another day at the office at this point, right? Uh, 64 yards rushing and a touchdown. 69 yards receiving on nine catches. And another touchdown is Christian McCaffrey. I believe if I saw the numbers, because I saw the saw the number or the rushing numbers, I believe McCaffrey is still by a short margin, though, I think over Dalvin Cook. But Christian McCaffrey is still the in the NFL through 11 games. And of course, now we're at the point where uh, everybody has played equal games because bye weeks are now done. Thank goodness. If you're a fantasy football owner, you got to love the bye weeks are over. So, but here we are five weeks left. Christian McCaffrey still in line to lead the league in rushing. Uh, I think his MVP talk 
has certainly quieted down a little bit. I mean, he was kind of a long shot to win it anyway. We know it's likely going to go to a quarterback, and at this point I think it's either going to go to Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson. But uh, McCaffrey was, you know, there for for a time being, and uh, he's still going to be, I think, at least in the conversation for uh, Offensive Player of the Year, or at least should at least have his name mentioned uh, in that respect. Cause I mean, he pretty much has been the Panthers offense as, as we've seen all season there. There's no two ways about it, but uh, another day at the office for Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, uh, five touches. Uh, he was targeted four times, but only called in one pass. So he was very quiet in the passing game, uh, but did actually have 40 yards rushing so that's really where he did most of the damage and then greg olson 44 yards on five catches everybody else was just kind of very quiet you know you really didn't you really only heard from them uh, about once or twice all game but more mccaffrey really were the guys that uh, really helped keep the panthers in this game on offense but unfortunately the defense kind of uh, let them down again but uh you look at you look at guys like Eric Reed though did have 15 tackles on uh, Trey Trey Boston with five so you kind of still see that inconsistency even though Trey Boston did have an interception you still see the ups and downs from really both guys and just kind of furthers the question that or furthers the thought that the secondary just continues to be a huge question mark on this Panthers team. And it's been like that all season. And, uh, that also, you know, that kind of leads into what we'll mention quick, the, the roster move that they made on Monday, which was them releasing Rashawn Golden, where we know Rashawn Golden never really fit in this off or in this defense, excuse me, never really fit on this team. Uh, and, and you obviously saw it coming at the start of training camp when Galden basically lost his st- lost his spot at the at the strong safety position when they signed Trey Boston they tr- they tried Galden at nickel didn't really work there uh, just really couldn't find a spot for him and then he had the injury earlier in the season just things just never really panned out for Rashawn Galden and of course he had his incidents against the Saints that certainly didn't help him and uh so you figure that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of the uh, the Panthers' patience, I guess, with Golden. So he's gone, and it just means safety is yet another question and an, another big need. And we will touch. You'll hear us touch on that a bit, uh, Jared and myself later on when we bring him on. But uh, just just too many just too many problems. With this team, and then the injury to Dontari Poe certainly hurts, and uh, unfortunately, it looks like he's out for the season. So uh, the bad luck just continues for for the Panthers, and once again, they just uh, get beat up a little bit in the running game as Latavius Murray uh, actually outgained or outrushed Alvin Kamara. Interestingly enough, sixty four yards on the touchdown for Murray versus just. Uh, 54 yards rushing for Kamara, but as always, Kamara made up for it in the receiving game with nine catches, 48 yards, and then no surprise, they got absolutely burned by Michael Thomas. 101 yards, one touchdown, 10 receptions. Jared Cook, six catches, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Even Traquan Smith found the end zone. Traquan Smith was, was a guy that was very quiet all season, had a couple injuries, missed a couple games. Just was always right behind Ted Ginn, who had yet another two-catch game. Uh, I also do, some of you might not know too, I also cover the Saints a little bit for 4 for 4 football. I actually do kind of the uh, the player blurbs, almost like scouting reports or for the upcoming week for the Saints, for those players. And when looking at Ted Ginn, I've noticed a string now. He he's this is now, I think five or six games that Ginn has only caught like two passes, 
which is really it, it, it's almost so intriguing that you can go so many games in a row just having two catches in each game. I find that really weird. Um, but they were burned by, by uh, Traquan Smith. And I thought Ted Ginn might have uh, had a little bit more because of the uh, the revenge factor. But I'm not surprised the Panthers got burned with Michael Thomas. They just, nobody can stop Michael Thomas. And I'm not surprised Jared Cook beat them as well. The Panthers uh, actually talk a little bit of fantasy here too. The Panthers were actually one of the worst, if not the worst fantasy defense, I think, going into week 12 against the against opposing tight ends. So it's not surprising to me at all that Jared Cook had a, had a big day against the Panthers and it's just another it's another question that's looming over this team. It's just that this defense just continues to let the Panthers down, continues to let Ron Rivera down and it's why the future has become clouded and we'll We'll certainly touch on this down the line. The future has become clouded of uh, of Ron Rivera. But um, again, they didn't go down without a fight. They they fought hard. They rallied, got it to a tie. And unfortunately, Breeze just had that strong final drive and they were able to kick the three points. And uh, that's why the Panthers are just about out of the playoff picture again. They're, they're pretty much out of the division race at this point, being four games out with five to play. So that's kind of a a bit of a look at that loss. Now it's time to turn our attention to the Redskins. We'll do that, of course, throughout the week. Of course, we've got the crossover coming up on Wednesday with Chris Russell of, uh, of Locked on Redskins. But before we, uh, we talk about the rest of the division and touch on the rest of the NFL, I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at my bookie, which I mean, hey, who who doesn't love winning money, right? Uh, but with my bookie, of course, you have uh, and this is a special offer for this week only, actually, for uh, for Thanksgiving. Actually, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears Lions game. So. Uh, Think, think about that if you want to try to win some money. Again, that's for this week only, just for that game. My bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Remember, that's the early game on Thursday, the 12:30 kickoff. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, well, congratulations to you as well, because my bookie will give you all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Doesn't matter where you're an experienced player or a first-time customer, my bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Uh, just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code locked on and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your payroll and that's on top of the risk-free bet. So again, uh, join now and you have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer, match your deposit. And again, uh, so again, that's a guaranteed deposit match. They want to reiterate. And again, a risk-free bet for this week only on the Bears-Lions game, the early game on Thursday. So again, go to mybookie.ag. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. And a shout out to as well to our friends over at uh, our friends over at Away. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For twenty dollars off a suitcase, visit Away Travel. Dot com. That's A-W-A-Y-T-R-A-V-E-L.com. Awaytravel.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on during checkout, and you get $20 off the suitcase. And if you're listening on the go, if you can't visit Away right now, you can find this and other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. So... 
let's touch on the rest of the division. Well, there was only uh, really one other game, of course, to touch on in the division because the other two teams in the South played each other. That was the the Falcons and the Buccaneers. And, of course, it's just like the Falcons this year to dominate the Panthers and the Saints the last two weeks and then fall flat against the Buccaneers. As it was Tampa Bay with the 35-22 victory over Atlanta. Jameis Winston, 313 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions as he now has 20 on the season. And an interesting stat I found from CB, or on CBS's Instagram or CBS Sports' Instagram, Jameis Winston is actually the first quarterback since I think it said 1980 to have 20 touchdowns and 20 interceptions in the team's first 11 games. So that's the epitome of Jameis Winston, I guess, is 20 days, 20 interceptions, 20 uh, touchdowns in just 11 games. But nonetheless, he... I guess you could say he played all right, despite the two interceptions. Uh, Ronald Jones, 51 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin, though, my goodness. How great has Chris Godwin been this season? Seven catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I I have him on one of my fantasy teams, so thank you, Chris Godwin. (laughs) For the Falcons, Matt Ryan went 23-46, 271 yards. 271 yards, excuse me, and a touchdown. Uh, He eventually was sat in favor of Matt Schaub late in the game. Uh, Calvin Ridley did have 85 yards and a touchdown, but overall, uh, not too much from the the Falcons' offense. And then the defense, boy, I mean, they had 11 sacks total against, uh, against Drew Brees and Kyle Allen. They mustered... Zero on Jameis Winston. While the Buccaneers themselves had six sacks on Matt Ryan. And oh, by the way, of course, we saw a near 350-pound player catch a touchdown pass. As uh, the Buccaneers got themselves a receiving touchdown by none other than Vita Vea. That was late in the second quarter that put them up. 19 to 10 after they missed the extra point as Vita Vea becomes the heaviest player at 347 pounds to ever catch a touchdown pass in the NFL. So yeah, it was that kind of day for the Atlanta Falcons. So standings now, and again with the NFC South basically uh, out, out of reach, the race is basically over. Saints are at nine and two. Panthers five and six, Buccaneers four and seven, Falcons are at three and eight. Next week, Panthers of course have the Redskins. That'll be a one o'clock kickoff on CBS. So again, keep that in mind. Just like last week against the Saints was on CBS, Sunday's game is also on CBS. Even though it is two NFC teams, it was cross-flexed to CBS. The rest of the NFC South, the Buccaneers are on the road against the Jaguars. The Saints and Falcons, of course, meet on Thursday night on NBC to cap off Thanksgiving. And again, if the Saints win, the NFC South race is officially over as the Saints will lock it up. So that's... That's unfortunately where things stand. The Panthers' playoff hopes are uh, very, very slim going into Week 13, as they sit now at 5-6. and six. Really, I think it's time to start looking ahead to the draft. Right now, uh, the Panthers are pretty much right in the middle of the pack. Um, they're sitting right around the, uh, the 16th spot in the draft. So pre- they're pretty much looking at... Being right around where they were last year in the first round, uh, but certainly a lot of players in play. You know, obviously early, but um, definitely some good prospects to take a look at. And that's what we're gonna do now, or in a minute, with Jared Feinberg of Blue Chip Scouting. We talked about uh, the Panthers' draft options, team needs, 
and touched on what could happen if uh, if Cam Newton's gone, if Ron Rivera's gone. So a lot of good info, I think. So kind of sit back. This is almost going to be like two episodes in one, actually, because that was a, a pretty healthy conversation with Jared and myself. But hopefully you guys uh, sit back, enjoy. And uh, with that, I think we'll get out of here with this portion. Uh, enjoy my talk with Jared Feinberg, remember to follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Setti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Follow the podcast on uh, Apple, Google, wherever you listen, Spotify. We're there. And until next time, take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Until then, enjoy myself and Jared. And after that, have a good one, and we'll see you next time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joined now by my good buddy Jared Feinberg talking a little bit of draft here with the Carolina Panthers because it's never too early to start talking about the draft, especially with the season kind of starting to fade away a little bit at five and six. So want to welcome Jared in. How's it going, buddy? Glad to have you on the show. What's going on? And it's going good, man. College life is, uh, it's against me right now, but hey, pulling <laughs> through it, you know? Uh, absolutely, man. Like like we talked about off air, you know, it's uh, it, it's tough. College definitely has its moments. I've been there, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely gets easier. You can definitely get through it. So we're all, we're all pulling for you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. But yeah, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk a little bit of draft prospects here with uh, with five weeks left to go in the season. I think we'll just kind of start uh, in, in general a little bit with the Panthers and just kind of touch on what positions you think right now are the biggest needs for this Panthers team, whether it's free agency or you know specifically the draft. We know there's uh, a couple different options they can go, especially in that first round. But uh, you know, what, what are you looking at right now as far as uh, top needs for the team? Well, before before Sunday, I figured that interior interior defensive line would be a bigger need. But um, ever since the game Sunday, uh, safety has become probably the top priority for Carolina. You know, like in the preseason, uh, they did sign Trey Boston, but Trey Boston he's been inconsistent. Eric Reed has only succeeded when he's playing in the box, when he's closer to the line scrimmage. Both of them have struggled a little bit in coverage. And so I feel like the Panthers really need to have good instincts, good coverage ability, good ball skills back there in the back end of the Panthers secondary. Um, another big need, of course, is interior defensive line. Um, you can go after guys like Derek Brown or Javon Kenlaw. Um Derek Brown out of Auburn, dude, he might be one of the better players in the NFL draft. It would be shocking if he lasted all the way to Carolina, wherever they pick, because I believe Derek Brown has played his way into the top 10 and a top, uh, a top mock for Derek Brown has been Atlanta. So there, there's a possibility Derek Brown might not be on the board when Carolina is on the clock. Javon Kenlaw out of South Carolina. He's he's explosive. He is very powerful. Uh, there are questions about his motor and whether or not he can keep up consistency, consistency play after play. But overall, he is a great talent. Uh, the next big need would be linebacker or corner, whichever one you prefer. Um, if you're going position, fa- position value, it's definitely corner. Uh, Carolina could... Of course, re-sign James Bradbury, and uh, the cornerback position would not be in question. But I have a feeling James Bradbury would be asking for money that we just can't simply give him. And so that means they'll probably be in the market for 
the starting quarterback opposite of Dante Jackson. And a couple again, a couple candidates come to mind. Drayvon Diggs out of Alabama, very scheme diverse, um, very athletic. Um, he's he's got great ball skills, um, very good size. He kind of reminds me of a more athletic, more is has better instincts than James Bradbury, but he has the size and the length of Bradbury, in my opinion. Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio State, he might be more of a reach um, because he is so talented. He's probably going to be the first corner off the board. But as of right now, Jeffrey Okuda is my number one prospect for the Carolina Panthers on my Panther draft board. The next thing, of course, linebacker. You got Dylan Moses out of Alabama, very talented linebacker, um, but he's been injured for all for the entire season due to a knee injury, which we don't really know what's going on with that knee injury, and that's why he's a little bit lower on my overall draft board. Um, Isaiah Simmons, he's probably the best linebacker in the entire 2020 draft class. Um, his versatility. His elite athleticism. His athleticism has been compared to, I wouldn't say it's it's the exact same as Zion Williamson, but the level of athleticism he has for the for the position is uncanny. Um, he's a little bit raw in coverage, but his size, versatility, athleticism, range, it's all just it's there in the pen. Potential with him is incredible. And then, of course, we got quarterback, which would be probably the top need if Camden were to be let go. Um, I have to uh, take a Viola um, as my top quarterback for Carolina to target if they were to let go of Camden. Now, Tua suffered that hip injury against uh, Mississippi State. He's, of course, out for the season. There are questions about his durability at the next level, and understandably so. But from what I've heard and from what I've been seeing on my timeline from uh, some very good um, high-level sources, um, some of the more verified accounts on Twitter that uh, are close with the NFL and the NFL scouting world, two will, will probably still be a top-10 pick. So he might not be within reach for Carolina, but another guy could be Justin Herbert out of Oregon who could probably sit behind – Kyle Allen if they end up keeping Kyle Allen after uh, this year. Um, Jordan Love out of Utah State, very talented uh, very talented quarterback out of Utah State. Um, he's inconsistent at times. He, his decision-making is questionable, but his talent and potential overall is too much to ignore. And so I believe sitting Love for a year would help Love develop into a starting quarterback at the next level and potentially becoming a very good starter at the next level. So those are my top needs at the moment for Carolina. I will mention that there's a possibility that offensive tackle and interior offensive linemen, those positions could be big needs this offseason, especially if they decide to move on from apparatus after one year, or they, of course, let Greg Van Roden walk in free agency, or they don't even trust Dennis Daly and Greg Little, which I think would be insane. So as of right now, those are my top position needs for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on a bunch of those positions, especially the secondary. Uh, we just watched Carolina cut Rashawn Galden, so they've, have basically admitted that that was a big mistake in 2018. Galden just never really fit in this uh, in this system, so it was you know interesting, but you know probably a good move that they kind of pulled the plug on him so quickly. And um, you, you talked about cornerback too. Uh, Bradbury is a guy that you know I expected I expected him to kind of keep the level because he played well in 18. He's been up and downs so far in 19. So I, I'm, de I'm definitely with you there. I really, I definitely think too, if they're in a position, uh, maybe Grant Delpit, if, uh, if he's available, I wonder if they look at guys like uh, Christian Fulton, the corner out of LSU. Absolutely. Um, yes. Bryce, Bryce Hall is going to be an interesting 
player too, I think, because we know he was so highly ranked going into uh, or potentially going into last year's draft, but he decided to come back for a senior season. And of course, he suffered that injury and is now out for the year. So he's going to be a really interesting evaluation. Um, and then, you know, I was going to touch on quarterback as well because I'd asked you to, uh, or I'd sent you the question if quarterback was going to be an option. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's really been a hot debate lately, hasn't it? Is, um, you know, what is the future of Cam Newton, especially now with the future of Ron Rivera now very clouded with this team five and six? So yes, is what do you think are the chances that Cam Newton is brought back in 2020? Because we know the salary cap numbers, it's, it's been talked about quite often throughout media. Is Cam Newton back in 2020? Or is this team going to be in a position that they are looking for another quarterback of the future? And, and kind of on top of that, too, what about Will Greer? Where does he fit in, into all this? Well, with Will Greer, if they if the Panthers decide to move on from Kyle Allen, if a team in the NFL is looking for a solid bridge quarterback, which I think Kyle Allen could be, um, I think they would move on from Allen, and then Greer would be the backup. But we need to see Greer uh, play a lot more uh, mm-hmm. this offseason or in the preseason, this upcoming preseason. Um, and also he needs a lot of reps in training camp. Uh, we didn't really see get to see what he – um, what he hasn't really shown what he's got in terms of like playing a full two to three quarters at least. I'd like to see him play at least two to three quarters in the preseason in one game, so then we could see what Greer has because he has, he's a good he's got great arm talent, but his decision making, his mechanics, his footwork they're all raw like. It's he's just not there yet in terms of what I just mentioned, uh, but I think he can develop into a very solid backup quarterback um, for the rest of his career. That's where I um, graded him as as a backup quarterback coming out of the draft. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Will Greer on the side of Cam Newton. This is this has been a very touchy subject for a lot of Panthers fans. And especially mm-hmm. the media, uh, the draft, uh, the, the draft community as well. Sure has. My my stand on this is Camden will be a Carolina Panther in 2020. It's very hard for me to see them move on from a quarterback that has given them their all, has led them to the Super Bowl, has led them to multiple playoff appearances. He is the reason why they stay in football games every single week, why they have a chance every single week. Like there are times where they get blown out, of course, but honestly, I think that's more of the coaching staff than anything for not being more prepared than anything mm-hmm. with Camden. If they do decide to move on, I think it's probably one of the more worst moves um, the Panthers will ever make will probably the worst move they'll ever make because if they let Cam Newton go, like that Super Bowl, that Super Bowl window for Carolina has shut completely for at least the next three to four years. Because if you let Cam Newton go, you gotta go out and draft another quarterback. Or if you don't feel like drafting another quarterback, you might have to start and rebuild altogether. Like it's it's that big of a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me like when Cam Newton had his thing tonight for the kids, Thanksgiving, serving food, all that, um, like just talking to the media afterwards, like you could tell that he wants to stay here. He doesn't want to leave Carolina. And I think mm-hmm. David Tepper realizes that. And I think it's going to be hard to see Cam Newton go, especially with how Kyle, how Kyle Allen has been playing. I can't pronounce his name. I don't know why. Um, but I think with people realizing, like, oh, Allen's not as good as we thought, people are like, yeah, the Panthers should probably keep Cam Newton. Like, it's becoming more and more obvious by the week that 
the Panthers cannot win football cannot stay or win football games and won't have a better chance at winning football games without Cam Newton. Um, And so, like, honestly, what Cam Newton brings to the table, arm talent, athleticism, physicality, leadership, like, all those things is what helps Carolina State in football games on offense. That offense, the the current offense right now, if you put Cam Newton in that offense – that's probably one of the more better offenses in the NFL, in my honest opinion. Like, there's so much talent on this offense, and it's being held back because Kyle Allen has not played to the level that people are expecting him to play when he's really just a backup quarterback, just trying to do his job, just trying to do what's best for the team and trying to play his best for the team. So that's basically where I am with the Cam Newton situation. Now, it's... I know you're probably going to ask me about this later on or here in a minute about what, how the decision with Cam Newton will be like, what the decision will be for Cam Newton if they end up having a new coach or a new GM, Mm -hmm. like what, what their path is going to be like. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to like to know what you're about to ask me on that topic. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good segue because that is something I kind of wanted to touch on because, I mean, it's kind of becoming an elephant in the room as well because, like I said earlier, I think the the future of Ron Rivera is definitely very clouded. I think he's he has to be squarely on the hot seat because when you're five and six like this, even with the injury to Cam Newton, there's just too much talent on this team. That it, it's it's almost like the Dallas Cowboys, right? There, there's so much talent on this team that five and six is just completely underachieving, you know. And it's, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like there's no reason with players like Gerald McCoy and uh, all all these guys that they should have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. But the fact of the matter is they're five and six, and Rod Rivera may not be back in 2020. So. It will be interesting, and, you know, yeah, so if, if you want to touch on that, what could, if the Panthers do decide to move on, how does that potentially affect Cam Newton and ultimately kind of their uh, the rest of their draft strategy? Well, it's, it's going to depend on what the GM, the new GM, if there's a new GM, and what the mm-hmm. new head coach is going to want. If they feel like Cam Newton doesn't fit their scheme, what they feel like is better fit for the future of the team, Cam is gone. But I think a lot, I think a lot of people in the league, especially offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, head coaches, general managers, they all know that Cam Newton is one of the better talents in all of football. Like when Cam Newton is 100% healthy and he is on his game, he's probably one of the more bigger threats in all football, college, NFL, you name it. Like, he is one of the more dangerous threats in football. So I have a few names in mind, and I tweeted this out earlier today about potential head coaching candidates. Um, First one is offensive coordinator Greg Roman from Mm -hmm. Baltimore. He has done a great job with what they've had on offense. Lamar Jackson is playing at an MVP level. And he is currently balling out against the Los Angeles Rams. Yep. I thought said St. Louis Rams. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I still see people say San Diego Chargers. So. Oh man, that there's you're not going, you're not going to get used to that. Not at all. So um, just wait until the Raiders move to Vegas next year. Oh boy, that's gonna be tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another candidate is. Uh, Kevin Stefanski out of Minnesota, offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. He's done a great job with Kirk Cousins this year. Um, that, that offense is really rolling. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook is, done, is playing at a high level. He's currently one of the best running backs in football right now. Yep. Um, he's a great schemer. He's a great play caller. I think Minis- I think um, Kevin Stefan- Stefanskin would be a great head coaching candidate for the Carolina Panthers. Another one is defensive coordinator Robert Slay from San Francisco. Um, mm-hmm. You might have seen videos of him just losing his mind after a big play that San Francisco made on defense. Um, but he is one of the better defensive coordinators in football right now. A couple of years ago, he didn't have 
a coaching job, I believe, if I remember correctly. And now he is one of the better defensive coordinators in football. He's coaching the best defensive football in San Francisco. And I know Panther fans are wanting more of an offensive-minded head coach next year, assuming Ron Rivera is gone. But if you bring in a defensive-minded coach and you counter that with bring in bringing in a off a well or a great offensive-minded head coach or not head coach offensive coordinator, then you're you're set right there. Um, another head coaching candidate, of course, is a fan favorite, Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma. Um, how Riley, what Riley has done with Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, it's been absolutely incredible. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, two straight years of first overall draft picks. Jalen Hurts might go top 50. His game... For Jalen Hurts, I don't know if his game has really improved. I think his the way he's played has improved. I think he has improved a little bit as a passer, but you can see still you can still see glimpses of what he was like as a passer in or at Alabama, just about average. Um, but Lincoln Riley, great schemer, great play caller. Um, I think he would be a perfect fit for Carolina. Now, if Carolina were to go after Lincoln Riley. They'd have to give him a buttload of money to drag him into the NFL because it sounds like Riley does not want to leave Oklahoma, nor will he want to ever leave Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure the NFL has called at some point and said, hey, we'd like to offer you a head coaching position for so-and-so. And I'm sure he's turned down multiple offers. Uh, but Riley would be a favorite if he did consider a head coaching job. Another candidate I mentioned was Scott Turner. Now, it might be a surprise for some people, but I think learning under his father, North, has helped him tremendously as a coach, and he's been a great QB coach over the last few years. He coached under Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he helped him turn into the player he is today, um, and he's and for the good portion of last year, with Cam Newton, he was great with Cam. And I think if North Turner were to leave with Ron Rivera or Eric Washington and Marty Herney, Scott Turner could could end up being the head coach or at least being the new offensive coordinator. I think Scott Turner would install a great scheme for Carolina. I think he would scheme well for the talent that they have on that team or on that offense as a whole, and they'll make that offense successful. So. Those are my head coach candidates for the Carolina Panthers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Oh, and all really good ones. Obviously, uh, Lincoln Riley, like you said, is going to be really tough to pry away from Oklahoma. But obviously his name is going to swirl around quite a bit as long as Oklahoma just continues to dominate on offense the way they have been over the last couple of years. And I, I like the mention of Scott Turner. I mean, you know, a lot of people might not agree with pulling a position coach up so quickly. We've seen kind of the ups and downs with Freddie Kitchens with the Browns, but you're starting to see them uh, kind of turn things around. And look, I mean, we're always obviously looking for uh, those young offensive-minded head coaches that seems to be the 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 or I shouldn't say seems to be that is the new wave of the NFL uh, in terms of these uh these coaching searches some hit some don't you know guys like Cliff Kingsbury so far uh the wins might not all be there but the future is bright with him and uh and Kyler Murray whereas Zach Taylor he might be a one and done unfortunately and now we're kind of watching the man that kind of started this all, Sean McVay, 
kind of tread water a little bit. I mean, you know, yeah, like, again, we are recording this in the middle of Monday Night Football, and we're watching the Rams really struggle on offense after, oh, by the way, they gave $130 million to Jared Goff. But, uh, you know, no one, no one's talking about that. Shh, keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but... Scott Turner would be interesting, and you're right. Obviously, he has the, uh, the the pedigree because he's learned from his father, Norv. And Norv, we know, has been a great offensive coordinator, has has had some good in his bad moments as a head coach. So if Turner's the guy, you know, give it some time. And you know, with a young quarterback, I think it would be uh, I think it would be intriguing to watch for sure. But um, you know, real quick before. Before we get out of here, I want to touch. I, I want to go back to earlier because I want to touch on a couple of these prospects, uh, two in particular, really, because um, I'm really excited to see these guys in uh, in Mobile down at the Senior Bowl, uh, and they're the two defensive tackles that you mentioned, especially with now uh, the injury to Dontari Poe, and it looks like he's done for the year. You know, and the Panthers have always kind of been thin at the defensive line position. So I think these guys would be really great uh, for the Panthers. And, you know, we'll, we'll start with Derek Brown. You're right. Derek Brown is just an absolute monster. He, he's just so dominant. He's just so fun to watch. And I, I, like I said, I, I just can't wait to see him live in Mobile. And then same with Javon Kinlaw. Great player. Uh, in the interior, another guy I'm excited to watch in Mobile. What is it about these guys that are that has made them so good, and what could they bring to this Panthers defense that maybe they haven't had in a while? Derek Brown would give Carolina something they haven't had this offseason, and that's gap integrity and run-stuffing ability. Derek Brown, he is he moves so quickly. He is such a fluid, smooth mover for someone his size at 6'5", 318, 320. Like, that's about the same size or close to the same size as Don Terry Poe. That's a big human being who is moving very quickly. Derek Brown is one of the more powerful interior defensive linemen I have ever seen since I started scouting probably 2016, 2017, haven't really been scouting the draft that long. Uh, But Derek Brown, very, very powerful. He brings an explosive get-off to his game. Um, Like, man, like, I'm I'm watching him right now. I'm watching a clip of him right now. Like, the way he moves, the way he just dominates the line of scrimmage is just absolutely phenomenal. Like, he he can do the stuff that Don Terry Poe, everyone thought Don Terry Poe could do. He can do, Derek Brown can do a lot better. And I think if the Panthers decide to bring back Jared McCoy, I think Derek Brown would be more of the nose tackle than anything. And then once they let McCoy go in 2021, Derek Brown would take over that starting role and would just absolutely dominate. The Panthers, they're missing a very key run defender, K. Short, who's one of the better run defenders um, at defensive tackle in the NFL. And if they add Derek Brown with a healthy K. Short and Gerald McCoy, that's going to be a very, very dangerous interior defensive line. For Javon Kenlaw, like I said earlier, uh, very disruptive. He's always behind the line of scrimmage. He is very powerful, just like Derek Brown. Um, great first step. Um, his motor is inconsistent, but at, when his motor is going, it's going. Like, he will not stop on a play. He'll get gassed every once in a while, but I think that's from playing hard every play. And so he might, that's something he might need to work on, stamina, trying to get his body in shape, maybe drop a few pounds. But from Wineford, he is a very stout, great-framed interior defensive line, defensive lineman. And, like, if you've seen pictures of him, he is absolutely shredded. Like, DK Metcalf shredded. Like, this dude, 
can if if Javon Kenlaw was available for Carolina and Grant Delbit was gone, Derek Brown was gone, the corners I mentioned and you also mentioned are gone, Javon Kenlaw would be the easy pick for Carolina. Like it it would be an easy no brainer. Um I think and I'm I'm honestly I'm actually looking at uh, the Draft Network's um, analysis report, um, and one one that mentioned about um, a fit as a four three strong side defensive end or in a three four uh, five technique, um, and one of them said um, he has good upside as a two gap scheme player, and I totally agree, and he has and. The report also says he has good value as a third down player, but he needs to develop that motor a little bit, um, make that motor more consistent. And so then he's not getting tired easily. But, um, but like I said, Derek Brown, Javon Kenlaw, they're going to bring such a great skill set to the table. They're going to dominate once they get in, once they get to the next level. Again, I'm so excited. There, there's, I mean, there's going to be a lot of great players going to be down in Mobile, but uh, th- to see these two guys, especially in one-on-ones, I mean, that, that's going to be a treat to see these guys against some of these big offensive linemen. I can't wait to be there in Mobile. Uh, I, I can't believe the season's almost over. I mean, there's only five weeks left in the season. I mean, it's rolling, and we're really going to start uh, cranking into draft season very soon. So it's really good to to get a bit of a, a head start here, or at least get back into some draft talk here on the podcast. Um, before I let you go, Jared, I want to give you a chance to, uh, you know, shout out anything you're promoting, what you got going on as far as uh, content, where you're writing for, just anything you want to plug. Uh, the stage is yours. I lose you. You there? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Um, so the article I have uh, that I posted last week is my November big board update, which I did after um, after the LSU Alabama game. I was waiting for that game so then I can decide who my QB1 was going to be, whether it was going to be Joe Burrow or Tua. Tua impressed me in that game, but Joe Burrow played like the best QB in college football, which he is. Um, he's probably going to win the Heisman, and he's also my top-ranked quarterback for the NFL draft. Um, so my big board is my pinned tweet on my profile at JRock Draft Scout. Um, you can find all my articles on bluechipscouting.com. Um, and also you can go down Dalton Miller's um, timeline and and find some of my articles down his timeline. Um, he's got great content too. Um, also, uh, I'll be trying to post some clips, some all 22 clips later on this week um, from the Panthers game this past Sunday and a little bit from overall this season. I might be posting a little bit of some Brian Burns clips. He should be playing over 50 snaps a game, but that's a topic for another day. Um, So that's all I got. Uh, I've enjoyed being on the podcast here tonight. Um, Bill, thank you for having me and hope to be back at some point during the draft process. Absolutely, buddy. Looking forward to having you back. Really appreciate really appreciate you taking time to join us here on the podcast. And uh, great stuff. And hope to talk to you again soon, buddy. All right? Yes, sir. Please do it again. Yes, sir. We'll be ready to go. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.